Good morning, Cincinnati, and welcome into, I guess, what could be the final episode of the Bearcat Brunch for the 2022 football season. Brought to you, as always, by our great sponsor at Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play golf at Fame St. Andrews? Have you ever enjoyed that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland? Well, now you can, thanks to Royal Lynx Golf Tours, a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive, cultural, and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Lynx Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd love to get that round in at St. Andrews or Valley Bunyan or enjoy that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland, visit their website at RoyalLinksGolfTours.com or call them direct at 770-331-1525. And with that, we're back on a cloudy, somewhat snowy Sunday morning to recap a depressing, comical, uh, somewhat predictable uh, 24-7 Bearcats loss in the third ever first actually played Fenway Wasabi Bowl at Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts. Joined as always by my good friend Jeff Howe. Good morning, Jeff. How are we doing? And what is there that we really need to discuss about this football game? I mean,. I don't know that there's like a, a lot to break down or get into the nitty gritty. There's not another game coming this this year for anything to be fixed. The, uh, there's obviously some things that kind of need to happen uh, going forward. But uh, I mean, I don't even. There's really not a whole lot to talk about outside of the the fact that you know they were stripped down at, at receiver, tight end. Um, it. There weren't a lot of weapons to use there, and Louisville's defensive front was, uh, I guess, as advertised, and uh, and got in the backfield and, and stopped us from moving the ball forward on offense. We had four takeaways and and not a lot of uh, movement on offense. So I guess that's to kind of be expected. Yeah, it was uh, it was a display in inefficiency, a display in just. Oh, a lack of, I wouldn't say understanding, because I don't know what they all you know went through, but you, you had a good idea based on if you watch any of Louisville all year, that that's what they were going to do, especially defensively. They were going to bring pressure. They were going to bring probably even more pressure, knowing that UC was without, the, you know, most all of their main passing uh, threats. So they were just like, we're just going to make this as hard as possible for them to do do anything, give them the least amount of time possible. And and really, whether it was pressure or putting you know extra guys in the box because they weren't really worried about what UC was going to do throwing the ball down the field, made it hard to run. And UC still forced four turnovers and really didn't have anything to show for it. And that's kind of how you get a 24-7 to 7 Lost Louisville breaks a couple runs and really did nothing in the second half either. But I mean, UC's offense was 
clearly the story from a, a bad perspective. You know, 19 total yards, I believe, in the second half. Did not complete a pass after the five-minute mark in the second quarter. Wild. Kind of don't care who you have out there. Um, that Those numbers are pretty inexcusable. Um, you know, it wasn't like Louisville was a great team this year. They were missing some key pieces, especially offensively, less so defensively, but still, I mean, both teams were in very, very similar situations. Um, so, you know, to, to be as poor offensively, especially in the second half, especially after, in, even in the first half, like, yeah, I mean, you kind of had some good field position at times and, you know, had done some things and then you just kind of just give it right back to them. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bowl game with a coaching change on both sides with a bunch of players not playing. So like, not going to get, I'm certainly not mad or frustrated or, or anything along those lines, but we still need to, you know, talk about that's what we do. Um, I mean, it's a scrimmagey, it's as scrimmagey of a game as you can get at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean it, it. You know, it's even even sometimes in these type of bowl games, you can you can at least try to go like with the uh, turning to the next page to the next season, and you can't hardly even really do that in this case because you're going to have new coaches, new scheme. You know, I'm sure there's going to be more players that enter the portal after the game. It's just the nature of it. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, why I will say Wyatt Fisher touchdown catch, great great play, great two catches on that drive. Yeah, you had that, and like when you like even that drive, the the passes like the couple passes that Prater made to like save that drive are are some of the most insane things I've ever seen. Yes, they they still took miraculous effort, and kudos to him. It is it is just it's just funny, like funny weird whatever you want to say, but like two of his best throws were on that drive when he's like running for his life and being taken to the ground. And then yet you have like two throws that stick out to me on like another drive on back-to-back plays where he's actually got a clean pocket yeah, and on a slant and and an easy, you know, whatever eight yard stick route, stop route, he can't throw it anywhere near the guys. It it is. Have no words for it. Like when, like that drive, that they scored the touchdown, and he's like he's wrapped up by defensive linemen and going to the ground, and and it looked like on both of them from at least from the camera angle that he was just throwing the ball away. Yeah, he, said you he was. Some, you get some weird angle, weird camera angles when you play in a baseball in stadium, a ba- right? So it looked like he's throwing the ball away, and then you know the camera like flips over and it was a seed to you know, to his receivers and you're like wait a minute how did you pull that off when like two minutes ago you you threw a like a, a 90 mile an hour sinker into the ground at the the feet of your running back on a oh. little out route i mean that one was I'm, i tried to like not overreact or anything but like you have a, it's third and long, and so they weren't going to pick up the first down on that play, but, like, you're trying to just dump it off to the running back, and it's, like, four yards in front of him and three yards short. And I'm, I'm just confounded by, like, 
the the inability to just make such easy connections yeah but i mean we we saw it against tulane and you know we we've seen these flashes like the the times that he's had like opportunity to play we we've seen some flashes of like oh okay like i i think i think you know as he gets time to practice with the ones and get some stuff like maybe it was just a timing thing maybe you know he didn't understand the, the route exactly or the, the receiver didn't. But then, you know, he's had some time and it's it's still like there's things that are maybe timing related or whatever. You're like, well, I mean, he's had some time to practice with these guys. And I get it. Like now you're, you've got a receiving core that's not all the ones. I mean, I think Blue Smith was the, the leading receiver in the game for... Blue Smith, leading receiver, two catches, 32 yards. I think he tweeted out something that uh, he's like uh, has a hundred percent reception rate. Yeah, like in go. his career, so he's ready he's to go like, next year. Hey, <laughs> but yeah, it's like if you say that, but then at the same time, I'm like, should it should it really matter? Like, if I'm out there and I'm running a screen pass, like you should still be able to throw me the ball. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't no, really matter who, whether it's the ones, the twos, uh, the janitor from. <laughs> The you know, football is like it's a screen pass. Like you're a Quality major division guy one college quarterback, just... I should be able to expect you to complete that pass. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm asking too, being unrealistic and asking too much. I mean, I, I don't that, and and then what? He had two fumbles. He lost one. Just trying to do too much on that play. Like, yeah, I I get it. You're you're getting sacked. You're you know, but just that one was was trying to do too much, but. But yeah, they um couldn't run the ball. You know, Ethan Wright, leading rusher, forty three yards, five and a half yards of carry. <laughs> Felt like the one play in an eighteen yard run. And it was the one play where they moved the offensive line. You know, got Lorenz Metz out in space, pulling yeah. and and clear helped clear the way. It just you know, I we've we've talked about it a lot and there's certainly no reason to necessarily um use the Wasabi Fenway Bowl is a as another data as point to discuss the offensive line well. as a measuring but, stick, right? Uh, but I, I, you know, if we are going to take, if I'm going to take anything from this game, it is that the uh, offensive line play from Louisville, the offensive line scheme from Louisville, uh, I'm hopeful that that translates as they they wide zone rushing attack uh, moved whether it's moving their own people or moving UC's defenders was very effective, obviously rushing for mm-hmm. almost 300 yards. And it will just be a, a, you know, a breath of fresh air, hopefully to see an offensive line that has a rhyme and reason behind what they're doing. It just felt, and I could be dead wrong because we haven't talked to the coaches about this, but it, it just felt like this offensive line this year, the scheme was, Man on man, move people, and we didn't move people. So when that mm-hmm. doesn't happen, it doesn't work. And there wasn't – you didn't see guys pulling. You didn't see guys getting out in space. You didn't see much of anything along those lines. So I'm hoping that a scheme change uh, and maybe some development will uh, will boost the group moving forward. Uh-oh. I, w- I would say, and I talked about this, I don't know, it might have been last week sometime, 
um, to, to see the way that their defense, like Louisville's defense played, this was kind of an interesting, like, hopeful snapshot into, like, what we can expect, kind of like what you're talking about on the offensive side. But, like, the defensive side was a whole lot of what, like, we're used to, you know, seeing for UC's defense, like, what we want to see, like, this, like, tough, nasty, aggressive, get-after-it kind of football. And Louisville came out and did that. And so hopefully, crossing our fingers, that you know, that that kind of thing also translates up here to UC. I mean, it kind of still fits into what UC already does, kind of the mindset and the culture of, of the defense and the way that they play anyway. Um, so hopefully, you know, I'd like to see that that translate up here and for the season next year. Yeah, I agree. Um, they. They're a very, very heavy pressure team. Now, I don't know if that is because this year, I mean, I don't know anything about them this year, but like, was that because, and they seem to kind of make that switch this year. They were not this like super high sack, super high tackle for loss team in the years preceding this season. Do you do that because you don't have confidence in your defensive backs? So you're kind of taking like a, boomer bust mentality like we've got to get to the quarterback we've got to because they I mean they obviously they went whatever their record you know whatever record in a beat I think so they were obviously didn't work it didn't work to great lengths they were you know shutting teams down with this philosophy um but I think it's certainly more beneficial you know, the creating turnovers, it gives you a better chance. So maybe that is something that with UC kind of, you want to call it a rebuild next year, a total reboot going to the Big 12, like that philosophy might pay dividends because, hey guys, we're, we know we're not going to have this like super great roster. We know we're stepping up in the level of competition that we're going to play. So let's let's just send the house pretty much all the time, try to force errors try to take advantage of those situations. And I mean, it clearly worked in this game, but you see again, was down a lot of guys that could make a difference if those things didn't get home. Like if Ben was back there on the plays that the blitz didn't get home, he's probably hitting completions. If yeah. all the receivers, you know, if Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott and Josh and Lenny were there, you know, you're probably having more guys open. It's just, it's just the reality of it all. So, um, but I will in college football, especially because quarterback, you know, not everybody has some great quarterback. Not everybody has some quarterback going to the NFL. I'm always for pressure and, and trying to make them make decisions quicker than they want to. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, not every, you know, clearly not every offensive line in I mean, like NFL offensive lines are bad. So obviously if those are the best guys, college offensive lines are going to be poor as well. So you know, overload, make, you know, make them make quick decisions, make them adjust. And they did, and we didn't handle it very well. And and so that might be a glimpse into, into what uh, we'll be seeing next year, but there's a lot still to come before we get to that part. There's a lot, you know, self coaches hire still have, you know, a lot of recruiting to do. So a lot, a lot to go in that regard, but it was interesting, like trying to watch the game and like, watch it as a UC fan because that's who we are and we're watching it and we're going to talk about it and 
people are going to ask questions about it. There's going to be conversation about it. While then also being like, oh, yeah, like this stuff that Louisville's doing, we're probably going to try to do a lot of that next year, too. So you're, I was at least like kind of getting lost back and forth on like right. what I was, what I was paying attention to. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, we've touched on it. Like, you know, they, they talked to, to coach Satterfield during the game. It talked on, on a lot of these, like these very interesting, like, I don't know, situations going on with the game. You had like the keg of nails, you had Satterfield leaving there to come here after fickle leaves here. And like both programs are kind of in this like limbo. I think, I think, uh, Dion Branch said that he had like three full-time coaches that were left and like put together the rest of his coaching staff out of uh, out of like quality control guys and, oh, yeah. and GAs. And, and obviously UC had the same situation. They, I think we had a few more coaches like, like uh, quote unquote full-time coaches like left over, but you still had guys in like weird spots. Um, the, I think it was the tight ends coach or tight ends coach, I think was calling plays. Yeah, Nate, so, Nate Letton was calling plays. Um, yeah, we think they had three coaches. We might have had five. So, I mean, <laughs> it's like five, four. I don't know the number, but and and that that all goes to the like, like the the state of college football and bowl games now. Anyway, like even even if like, let, like let's say you know they they lose a two lane game, Luke Fickle's still the coach here. Where you know nothing's changing you're still going to have a slew of opt-outs. You're still going to have some guys that hit the portal because that's just how things are. And yeah, maybe you have like the continuity of like the coaching staff, but it, it's still pretty possible that you end up with the, the same, like the same team oh, going into this game if the, with Luke you, Fickle. You, as you, the probably would have had, you probably would have had a few more guys had not gone into the portal, but I don't yeah. like if, if, Fickle and all those coaches were still here. I still wouldn't have expected Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott, Lenny, Josh, Josh. Wiley, and Lenny Taylor to play. Huh? Like, I don't think their decisions were based off of who was coaching. Their decisions right. were based off of, I don't really want to play in the Fenway Wasabi Bowl. I'm just going to go ahead and get going on, you know. And, and it's not like they instantly have started training for the NFL draft. Let's not get that, you know. Twisted, like they just didn't want to play in the in a bowl game that doesn't really mean a whole lot, and they were you know ready to just like chill out for an extra couple weeks and and not have to practice and everything. Like if you think about it, so they go play in the in the Fenway Wasabi Bowl uh, as skill position players on a field that has, and I didn't notice like anything like super crazy with it, but like the possibility is there as it always is that you could be injured in a, in a football game. But when you're playing on a field where they like sod over the infield and it's cold and windy and nasty, like you're, you're kind of still elevating like the, the risk to injury and your future career. So like, I don't, I don't hold anything yeah. against this guy. I mean, I'm, those I'm guys not. all gave they gave they gave everything to this program for, I, I know you're not like attacking them for, for, I, don't, I would know. Believe me, I wouldn't, I'm the opposite. Like, right. And I think the, and I think the, when the playoff expands to 12, it'll, it'll elevate and heighten this even more. Like I have no interest in these bowl games. Like I watched them as a fan. I, 
you know, because we cover the team and I'm going to watch almost all of them. Like they're fun. They're football games. I like watching football games. You see, you see wild stuff in these games. Um, But like, if you're not in the playoff, like I don't, if you don't want to play, man, like that's fine by me. The the only, whether whether it's because you don't want to play anymore or because you're training for the draft, like the goal is to make the playoff when the playoff expands, that goal is going to be open to more teams if you don't make it to that, like, and you don't want to play in name your bowl game, the that's Jimmy, fine. the Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl game, yeah, the, <laughs> whatever that was, it's totally, it's totally cool by me. Grant <laughs> said, Grant says Josh is out training in California already, which I am mistaken, but that that's awesome. And you know, it's guys, guys have played for four or five, sometimes six years. They've had endless practices. They've gone to school. Like, if you don't want to play in some bowl game that honestly, like, doesn't mean much of anything, then, you know, that's yeah. totally all right. Yeah. And especially a bowl. I mean, I, I know this is a conversation that could go on for a very long time, but, like, outside of, like, guaranteed money for these kids to come to some of these bowl games once the playoff expands, like, I... I I don't know how it it becomes a thing. No, I mean, I think ESPN owns so many of them that I can't see them going away because uh, Chad and I touched on this a little bit on on Thursday night. Like even the what we would consider to be like the worst bowl games still outrate like the best college basketball games. So if that's, you didn't if you crazy. didn't if you didn't have the wasabi bowl on yesterday, you're having you're adding another game of college basketball on that you didn't norm, you weren't going to normally put on ESPN. So it, it, it's not going to be that great of a game if you weren't already finding a, a way to to a air time it. slot for it. So the the get all these games yesterday, there was like four or five of them. They're certainly don't they certainly don't want to put other programming on because they're not going to come close to getting the ratings that they get. I mean, I guess you're going to always end up with the fans and the alumni base, at least tuning in regardless of if the, the fans actually travel to the game. I mean, you see like the Bahama bowl that was on yesterday. There was like, I think three people in the stands. Like it didn't look much better at Fenway. Um, uh, that that part of it is always going to be. I mean, there were tickets to the to the the Fenway Bowl that were going for like fifteen twenty dollars. Oh, for like sure. It, as it came up, and I, I mean, I said it on Tuesday. If if it wasn't a twelve hour drive, twelve hour drive or five hundred dollar plane ticket, I probably would have gone. Like, oh yeah, I would have ta- taken my older my oldest and like and gone to the game. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing is it, it it's just going to be very it's going to be very team very location specific moving forward. Like if your team has a, a unexpected, really good season, but doesn't quite go to the, um, you know, playoff. playoff or in UC's case, like moving forward, they don't go to the playoff, but they're going to be going to bowl games in Florida and Texas more than likely instead of Boston, Annapolis, Maryland, Birmingham. So like, Sure, like if they go eight and four in the Big Twelve, and it's not like anything special of a year, but the games in Orlando in 
end of December, I'm sure people will be like, yeah, that sounds well, like I'll go, I'll go make that trip. That's a good excuse to go somewhere warm. Right. So, you know, it's just going to be very specific. Um, you know, Matt, Matt brings up, he'd rather have watched the Arizona Tennessee basketball game than these bulls. I would too, if they were, uh, you know, not going to let Arizona shoot a gazillion free throws, but that's for a different podcast. <laughs> Uh, UCF superfan said the uh, bowl games like this basically become similar to the third NFL preseason. Let's see what we have in the backups. I agree. I mean, it's, yeah. wait, in cases where you're not like getting a new coaching staff, like absolutely. Right. Cause you're going to have your best players are probably opting out. Uh, and it is going to truly kind of be like a extended version of spring practice, getting ready for the next season. Cause you will use those bowl games to, to work in who you expect to be contributors the following year. You will use the bowl game to see how guys handle in-game situations for the first time with no real stakes on the line. You know, right. like, you know, if a guy doesn't handle handle it very well, it's not like, you know, you're like, well, we can never play him again. You know, it doesn't mean anything. So. And the the other thing, I guess the NCAA this year put in that waiver for like, you know, it doesn't affect red shirting status or anything like that. So, you know, you got some guys maybe that, and it's, it's partially because you have teams that have dudes going into the portal and leaving and like, they wouldn't be able to field a team potentially if you don't let these kids, like they don't want to burn a red shirt for a meaningless bowl game. So if you tell them like, all right, like, this game doesn't count anywhere in there. So like you can actually put some guys on the field and yeah. and see more of, of those guys that you've seen in practice and running on, you know, your little scout team in practice or whatever against another opponent that isn't someone they've seen all year. Right. Yep. Yeah. But I, I think uh, we just spent 26 minutes, 25 minutes on, on a, a game where we, Completed zero passes in the second half and apparently had 138 total yards, not 127. Oh. So I, I don't want to shortchange them. Yeah. Yeah. It's move that one up. I mean, Ivan Pace, Ivan Pace, I think he had like 17, 16, 17 tackles on his own. Yeah. I mean, the defense yeah. gave up two big runs where they were pretty much just out leveraged, you know put three wide receivers on one side, ran the ball to the other, and there was really nobody over there. But, um, but I mean, you forced four turnovers and have two interceptions, two fumble recoveries. Uh, you're just, like, the offense just didn't do anything. Didn't help you at all. Yeah. I, so. I think, uh, let's see where it's at here. Justin Williams kind of, he, he, he wrote a, a very – very nice article in the athletic that uh you know if you're not subscribed there or whatever like you should because it's a good place for information and justin williams writes incredible articles but uh he, he wrapped it up by saying the bearcats closed the book saturday it was a heck of a story that deserved a better ending and i i think that pretty well wraps up the, the thoughts on, on that on the the bearcats going forward Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's 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 a unfortunate way to end a wildly successful run, 
you know, especially the last five years. I don't think any of us could have could have imagined that when they hired Luke Fickle that, you know, if they told you, hey, this is how the next six years are going to go, we'd have been like, all right, you know, how about that, you know? Well, well, considering know, most people didn't even think he was going to stick around more than you know, two yeah, or three years, couple like. years. You know, that's the been the the way that it's gone. You see, and also in the group of five, like you see these guys, they have one, even one successful year, let alone two or three back to back. You know, they're almost always out the door. So, and it wasn't like he people weren't showing up on at his door at uh, his doorstep, no, knocking no, and saying, yeah. "Hey, we've got a head coaching opportunity for you over here in the Power Five. And, and he, you know. I know, I know we don't really want to get in the weeds on, on the coaching changes again, but for yep. a guy to stick around here in a, in a group of five school and, and do what he did and bring the kinds of guys that he brought in and turn away the different suitors that showed up for him so that he could continue to build things here and he stuck around as long as he did, like, you know, maybe he no, gets I like a little... It's, I think it just sucks that, you know, you, you lose that final home game, you know, Ends the ends the winning streak, ends the chance to win three conference championships in a row, and, and things just kind of obviously that next morning after right after we got off of here. Yeah. <laughs> like literally like less than 15 minutes. Is when um, when it all started like yeah. snowballing. So and that and now here we are. But uh, you know, I think there's you know, everybody has their reasons. I think Wisconsin is a is an excellent job, and I also think that you know he might have seen some things that are now coming more into focus as far as roster and and things of that nature that you know might have might have helped make that decision. Now that's on him and his coaches, uh, but he does have the ability to then you know when you're wanted, you have the ability to not have to fix that. Right, you, you can. You can go and, and fix somebody else's mess. And, and but know, the start. way I mean, the way things look right, now, I mean, like credit credit to Satterfield and and these the guys the the coaching guys that have stuck around. It seems like those recruiting week the recruiting weekend is the first one. Uh, obviously, that there's I don't know if they're still doing stuff today or not, um, but it seems like like the recruiting weekends are going well. Like Brady Drogish, you know he he's sticking around. So like a lot of the we did lose some guys that you know, decommitted and are going oh, yeah. elsewhere and a couple guys that when the portal are gone, like whatever. But it seems like they're they're holding together a recruiting class a little bit better than some other coaching changes have, have seen where like entire classes and I mean there there's places where like the whole the whole it seems like the whole team is entering the portal and they're not having coaching changes. So Yeah, it'll just be, you know, they've got a lot of work to do. They've been they've been very quiet on it. Yeah. We're trying to get information obviously that's what we do um but you know they're just keeping it quiet and it takes takes a while to build up trust and you know it's there's you know there's an element to it also that like the reason it's the a main reason it's a big reason it's quiet and a big reason it might seem like it's a little bit slower is like pat and pat lambert and max your two main recruiting contacts, your two main guys that kind of have an idea on, on what's really going on are gone. Yeah. So we're trying to get, you know, information from totally new people who don't know us and they don't have 
they don't have to, they don't know who we are. They don't know how we handle things. You know, we're lucky that Chad has a good relationship with some guys on the Louisville site so they can, you know, vouch for us. But I don't think telling us what's going on with recruiting right now is a super high priority for them. And hopefully as things go and, you know, relationships can be made and, and trust can be built that we can, can get that information and, and relay it to the fans, you know, in the, in the way that we typically do. Um, so it's, it's just hard to say what's going on. Like they, I think they have a lot of work to do, especially with the transfer portal. Like I don't ever want to see anybody decommit, but like, you know, if they add a few more high school kids, great. You know, they've already lost about roughly half, a little bit more than half. Some of them I'm not sure they wanted to keep. Others, right. you know, I'm sure they would have loved to. But, you know, you have – this is a relationship business. Like, guys are going to go where they feel the most comfortable and they don't know these coaches yet on the same even, – even places that they didn't pick the first – like they picked UC over somebody. Like, they still know those coaches from yeah. recruiting way more than they know – these new guys if they weren't really recruiting them exactly so you know you would love it if they were just like yeah i committed to uc and that's where i want to be and i think some have felt that way and are doing that um but the reality is is like guys are going to go where their position coaches where their head coaches you know as long as it's a, a on the same similar level to uc so i just think they've got to be super aggressive and i think they are being but we just don't see it. That just hasn't come to fruition yet, guys. You know, outside of, of Luke Kendra, like there's not been an official like commitment from a, a transfer portal guy. But that's that's the area they need to hit, in my opinion, super hard. Like they're not going to be super. They're not going to be great with the high school kids right now because the relationships aren't there. And and we and we've talked about yeah you know, the the way to success anymore is that like you you're not. You're going to, unfortunately, the way it is now, you have to go to the portal. You have to find guys that are, that can be dudes, but are on teams that have a lot of dudes and they are, you know, they want to play. And so they hit the portal. I mean, that's the way things go now. Either that or, you know, I know that there's a lot of NIL stuff that's starting up with at UC with like the Sensing Reigns things and like that stuff's got to be successful. I mean, Plain and simple, like if you're not successful in the NIL space, like you're not going to get the the top tier talented guys. Now you might hit on some guys that were like two or three star guys coming out of high school that you know blow up into something great, um, but to keep them around year in and year out, you're going to have to be able to offer them something that somewhere else can't. Yeah, I mean you're seeing it somehow. I don't know how this is possible, but like you're seeing it at Ohio State. Apparently their NL, their NIL is not exactly like in the place that you would think in Ohio State's would be. I mean, they just lost a commitment from the number one player in the 2024 class, who I'm not yeah, sure that. it's necessarily in name image likeness driven. Yeah. I mean, his, his dad played like 12 years in the NFL. I can't imagine they need a ton of money. Um, right. But... You is know. that the kid? Is that the kid with uh, Riola? Yeah, Ray, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to yeah. like butcher his name, his, but his dad played in Nebraska. His uncle's the offensive line coach. There's a lot of thoughts that that's probably that that might be where he ends up. Um, 
But yes, that is super important. And like in the with the portal itself, <clears throat> I'm not looking as much at like how ballyhooed and how highly rated you were coming out of high school. Like I'm looking at did have you done anything? Like there's there's some FCS linemen that I think you see as at least contacted that have been FCS All Americans and conference first team all americans like i'm more interested in those guys than just some backup from like sec school who's in his third yeah. year and has never seen the field but was a four-star yeah like you see needs guys that can come in and play and that they have <clears throat> like a baseline understanding of what this person can produce well i saw i saw an article on it and i i should have saved it and i didn't um but like the number one guy, like dude that everybody apparently is going after in the transfer portal is a, I think an offensive lineman from an F- FCS school. And I, I can't remember what his name is now. I'll have no, to I'm, I'm sure. Like, I mean, there's good players everywhere and you've just got to, you know, contact them and, and see where they, where things stand and, and, uh, and go from there. I mean, but you know, the portal, the portal window closes at the middle of January, but that's just to go in the portal. You can make a decision whenever you want. But if you want to play, you want to be in school to enroll for be able to play spring the, ball the, and all the, that stuff. The winter semester, whatever you want to call it, spring semester, and then play spring football, you're gonna to have to make a decision, you know, fairly quickly. But I I still think that it's been a little bit slower than I expected. Like I expected dudes to be in the portal and make a decision within days. And it's, I mean, there have been some, but I know, yeah. like I noticed earlier this week that for some reason, 24 seven lists the top 89 uh, portal entries and only 21 had already made a decision. And a few of those were, were in the portal prior to like this window opening and then have made a decision. So Guys are taking a little bit more of their time. I mean, like the one kid, uh, Amari Gaynor from Florida State, he's visited UC, he's visited West Virginia, he's visited North Carolina, and now he's heading back to Florida State for more bowl practice. <clears throat> so he's clearly probably not going to make a decision until after a season's over. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's – I mean, you got to think that like coaches are still being aggressive about it. It's just like these guys are kind of you know they're they're buying yeah. their time. Maybe they're waiting on on nil offers from some places. I, I mean, I you, you kind of hate to look at it that way, but is it like this situation where you know you go visit this spot and they say you know yep we'd love to have you. We got a spot for you. You know the things you put on tape and the things you've shown like you, you'll likely be you know in the mix to be you know a starting guy this is the nil offer we can put together for you uh take it or leave it kind of thing and then they they look at you know get back to us whatever not take it or leave it but get back to us and then they go over this place and they put together their pitch and they're uh, at the end of it there's that nil offer and they're like okay i can go here and make you know Five hundred thousand. I can go here, and I can make you know it's only fifty thousand or or whatever it is. I know those those numbers are whatever. I just threw them out there, but yeah, it it it's 
going to be interesting, I think. And then you're going to end up with guys that, ha I mean, you just because you go in the, like when you go in the portal and everybody's like, oh, they go in the portal, they can come back. Well, yeah, they can come back, but only if they're, if they say like, yeah, you know, we'll take you back. If you're in the portal, your spot is available. Right. You're so in, sure, you're you, kind of you in limbo. come back, but we're expecting you not to. So we're going to find someone to try to fill that spot. Um, Speaking of the portal, and I, I had a feeling something was going on here, but there was nothing out there to confirm it. But it, it looks like quarterback Emory Jones, who was at Florida, then then Arizona State, is, is on a visit at UC and was at the basketball game yesterday. Hmm. So I kind of thought something was going on there, but had nothing to, to go out on a, a limb nothing and say that he was actually visiting. But it, it appears that he... He did visit, um, but that, uh, I mean that goes to keeping it quiet. <laughs> it's a couple of these questions. Um, Marcus asked on the roster: agree on offensive line needs. Any other gaps you have thoughts about? Yeah, they need some corners. Clearly now, I mean you're gonna. I don't. You know, hard to imagine Arquan Bush comes back. I don't even know if he can. Uh, I don't know if he's Jake, got a. JQ isn't, you know, obviously going to Kentucky. Um, Javon, many DBs, I guess, in general. Javon Hicks, don't, I mean, I don't know if I, I get lost in the Kenny COVID year, all that junk. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, they need some corners. They need some safeties. They need, I think they need more speed in the back end. I think we saw that again yesterday. Like, there's just not enough speed on the defense. Uh, we saw that in how Louisville's defense affected us and how we had issues in at times with their offense. Uh, so um, I would say DBs. Uh, I do want to, Marcus says, Emory's not great. I'm sure you saw his work as a Volsman. Yeah, I've, I'm. is that on him or is that on Dan Mullen? He really wasn't trying that last year. <laughs> so, I don't I mean, know. I mean, I think there's a certain type of quarterback they're looking for. <clears throat> you, know, what, you know, something like a, you know, they're, they're looking for an athletic, movable quarterback who is, though, a, a, a passer on some level and not just like an athlete who – can throw has, the ball. Has played quarterback before. Right. Um, like offense, a, a more true. Offensively, they're going to, I guess they're going to need some receivers. You know? <laughs> I mean, I really kind of like look at it as like where, like, you can just get the best players. There's not really a position to me that they're like, nope, we're good here. Like, we <laughs> couldn't use anybody in the portal at, at these at these positions. <laughs> We might need a kicker. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how Christian Lowry. I don't know if he's. He made. He with, made an extra point. He made an extra point. Bryce Burton uh, was a dog on on kickoff. I like I like that. I don't kicking off it, for the first time since high school. Uh, I mean, obviously we've got we've got Mason Fletcher going to hold it down at, in the the punt position. Drew Donnelly looked all right returning kicks. Drew Donnelly looked very nice returning kicks. I mean, we um, know he's gonna, got speed. Like that—that's you're not... just gonna have like a lot of a lot, a lot of unknowns. 
Yeah. You know, way more than we've ever than we've experienced over the last six five years. years. Yeah. Yeah. We joked about, you know, camps this year being much more interesting than last year. Moving forward, it's going to be even more so. I mean, because you look at it too, like there are all a, a large group of the seniors technically could come back. How many of those guys are going to want to, because they have a new coaching staff. Like some of them might want to because they have a new coaching staff and they're like, now I get kind of a clean slate where others yeah. might look at it and go, I'm not coming back. I don't know these guys. You know, I was close with my position coach and fickle and I don't feel like, you know, building enough, building that relationship again on my, you know, fifth or sixth season. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works out. Well, it could be like that kid from Oregon that's uh, coming ninth back for year? his ninth, ninth year of eligibility. I did, I did not look into that. How is that even like, literally, how is that possible? So I get, well, I guess you had, you had a red shirt year. He had a COVID year. And like two medicals. Then, then some medical, he applied for, for a medical last year after he tore his Achilles and it was just granted. So it would be a potential ninth season. Um, you know, they, they brought up like the article I looked at, they brought up like the point that he's, if he decides to go to the draft, he's not going to be drafted. He's likely to be undrafted. So if he lands on a practice squad, he's looking at, you know, whatever they, what do they make? Like 12 grand a week or something, I think, to be on the practice squad, which is not obviously not pennies to anybody, but, you know, that's only during the season they're making that. It's not like every week of the entire year. Um, so they're like, you know, you probably make more money as, uh, okay, so looks like Chad's saying it's uh, three injury seasons. Um, so, yeah, so maybe he had three injury seasons, I guess. And, and was able to stretch it out this long. Um, he's he's got his. Um, I think the thing I read, he has his undergrad degree completed. He completed a master's degree, and something I saw he was going to go back and take like instructional yoga and something else <laughs> for like like add on like certificates to his degree. I mean, so, look, sounds like one of my sounds like one of my years. I, I'm not I'm not hating on anybody that wants to continue. To play in the at the college no, level, if, if it's they're going to let you play, yeah. and you, you know can get your that... schooling paid for and add more onto your your resume of that. I mean, who know the dude's probably going to end up as a coach somewhere. I don't like I don't know him. I don't know what is like. Obviously, like a, he plays for Oregon. Like I, I didn't even know who he was until they said that he was going to yeah. get a ninth year. Um, but you got to think like if you spend that much time in a program, they might as well just hire you as some sort of coach. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna keep paying for you to go to school, and paying for you to play at Oregon. Like I can think of worse places to spend nine nine years. <laughs> now the, inju the injuries and everything are are probably take a toll on them at some point. But if you're not gonna I mean, end up being in the pros and that, and you know, then why not? That goes to the same <laughs> thing as like Stetson Bennett and uh, and Lamar Jackson. Like those those statistics of. You know, they came into the uh, into the NCAA at the same time. Yeah, they're and the same. Well, they're the same age. Same age. Same age. Yeah, yeah. the same age. Lamar's what in his third or fourth NFL season. 
and he won the well he won the Heisman in what 17 and and Stetson Bennett was a finalist for the Heisman this year and they're the same age so but Stetson Bennett's had a very long journey through the the ranks of college football so yeah so uh Scott do we see any uh do we see yesterday the lack of uh offense player development under Fickle I mean I I don't think it was just yesterday like I think Offensive line-wise, this season has amplified the <clears throat> lack of recruiting and lack of development in the offensive line. Oh, they were. I mean, it was kind of spoiled to have guys that were able to come back for a you know, hell the whole team last year. Damn near was on like their sixth year. So yeah, and I, I mean, the offensive line wasn't wasn't great last year either. Like Jerome Ford made a lot of things. Um, look better than they were look better than they were. I think, I mean, cause when you looked at like some of the deeper analytic numbers in the run game, like they were just okay. I mean, he ran for like 1600 yards, but yet it was still like just okay. Um, so I think we, you know, and that's the weird part about it is like we constantly hear like we're an offensive and defensive line driven program. And, and I'd say over the last two years, we've been pretty underwhelming in, in not in the defensive line, uh, but on the offensive side, especially this year, like I didn't see got like guys didn't get, I don't feel like guys got better from last year. Like your mainstay guys, they, they didn't seem to get better. So that goes um, to the, the the lack of offensive player development. Yeah, I mean, I, I had high hopes for Mike Cummings. I mean, he comes in and he had two guys from Central Michigan get drafted in the top four rounds of the draft, and they had the leading rusher in college football last year. So why would you have not been uh, optimistic? You know, and does that go to like, I mean, that does that go to the, the scouting ability of recruiting offensive linemen that have the ability to to translate into something like that? I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I, it's just, it was just frustrating as the year went on to just not, not see them really have making strides. Any, right. Making strides, getting better. You'd have better games here and there. <clears throat> like you had the two game stretch, what Tulsa and, and one of the other games kind of in the middle of the season. But then it like instantly reverted back to just being just blah, like not not good. And I don't know. I mean, I think that is above all else, it going one year to the next, that is the thing that I am uber focused on. I said it on Twitter yesterday. Like, I kind of don't I mean, this is a, the wrong view to take, and I say this half joking. But, like, I kind of don't care how the rest of this recruiting season goes if it doesn't have anything to do with a bunch of transfer portal offensive linemen. Like, you can sign all the high school kids you want. You can bring in all the other transfers you want. Like, I am maybe to a fault basing the success of this recruiting period on how many transfer portal offensive linemen can you get. I mean, that's fair because if you you look at yesterday – uh, and I know that yesterday is not necessarily the, the greatest like sample or whatever you want to call it, but 
I mean, Evan Prater spent was sacked seven times. Well, I just like, look at it from I, moving forward. Like Jake Renfro was your best lineman. He's not. He was out all year. He's, he's not coming back. He's going to Wisconsin. James Tunstall not coming back. Bill O'Quinn not coming back. Lorenz Metz not coming back. Now someone can tell me I'm wrong and that they do have another year and that's fine. I it's too confusing. I'm just trying to look at it quickly from a podcast standpoint. Yeah. Gavin Gerhard back unless he transfers. So outside of him, Jeremy Cooper not coming back. <laughs> uh so outside of him, you you have possibly you know, you have one returning starter coming back. Maybe maybe some of those other guys do come back. I don't know. So then you're telling me that these guys that weren't good and that were backups this year, they weren't good enough to jump ahead of the guys that were playing that didn't right. show. Yeah. It's like they weren't good enough to get ahead of the starters. Huber, yes, you're right. So Huber and Gerhardt, two potential returning starters. So the backups weren't good enough to get in front of the guys that weren't great pass blocking or run blocking. So can I really count on them to take a big jump just because there's a new scheme and a new coach? I mean, maybe they do. That'd be awesome. Like, I'm hoping they do. But that tells me you need, like, a bunch of, like, grown dudes, 21, 22-year-olds that have started double-digit games and, and played at a, some sort of level to come in and, here. And Luke Kendra isn't good, can't be the only one. Right, like, he can't – he doesn't fill an entire offensive line. He doesn't solve all of the problems from the offensive line by himself. Uh Scott also brings up like how much the lack of development is on the player. I mean, I, I'm not going to like, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate mean, on the, the lack of desire to get better because I, I, I feel like a kid that sticks around or wants to, is here. It still is attempting to, to do right by himself uh, alongside the team to do what he can to get better. Uh, I, maybe that's just the ceiling of some of these guys that, right. that were here. Maybe they they've hit their ceiling. Maybe they've exceeded their ceiling. Obviously, we're not at practice. Like we don't we don't see these things. We don't know. You know what are they showing in practice? Are they showing things in practice that are like unbelievable? And then when they get on in the game, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. I, I, I don't know. Right, and then, like you hear it a lot with like NFL players, the bust. Like he busted out. Well, okay, yeah, maybe. But like, what kind of situation was he in? What kind of development did he get? Like, I it's it's impossible for me to like put a percentage on like how much of this is on coaching, how much of this is on players. Like, like you said, like this might be the best that these guys are, and that's that's one thing, but that's not good enough moving forward. Yep. So you have to find players that have a wider variants of development potential you have to find players that have a higher floor you have to find players that have have shown the ability to be to progress you know, and maybe like, maybe the maybe that's it maybe it's the higher maybe maybe the higher floor is more important than the higher ceiling because when they you know get into a, a situation and they revert back to like the the you know what they are 
if their floor is way down here and that's where they revert back to as opposed to somebody whose floor is up here and yet you know maybe they do have that higher ceiling and they can but the maybe the floor is really the the key component there it, yeah i mean it, there's a there's just so much that goes especially a lot of variables so few of us have ever played a snap of football as an offensive lineman. Like it's just, it's impossible for me to, yeah, to be you know truly accurate on it. I mean, we're just talking about what we see, and it's just you know, I don't think you have, but you also don't have to be an expert in the field to watch what happened this year and go, it needs to improve. Right, exactly, and say, oh yeah, what we saw right there is, that's it. Hey. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't break down offensive line play like by by block to block. I just see what what happened and the the results of of what we were shown week to week on uh, on the field and and uh, like you said, like it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to be like it's got to be better. I mean, Marcus brings up a point. If we missed on all the guys who recruited on the line over the last few years, it'd be pretty stunning. It would be. But at the same time, like if you look at the line, the starters for the last couple of years have all been older guys that have been in the program for a long time. So to me, that says like no one, there were no like outside of Renfro and Huber this year. There weren't any younger guys that came in and like really developed and really progressed and took, took one of these guys spots. And they've certainly recruited plenty of them over the last, you know, obviously your first year, you're not going to be expected. And even kind of your second year, you're maybe not going to be expected um, run for the exception, but like there's no sophomores or juniors like that pushed any of the older guys out. So that's and when you, when you have the, the slogan iron sharpens iron and it just seems like, there wasn't a lot of sharpening going on there. No, I mean you 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 kind of had the same the same and some the same in offensive line a lot of the time is good. Like you talk about continuity. Yeah. But in this case I'm not sure if the same what was good because that told me that tells you now looking at it that like none of the guys that they recruited in say like 18 19 20 were able to push maybe 19, 20, 21, like able to push these guys out. No, but Gerhardt wouldn't have been a, Gerhardt would have probably been the starter at left guard. Um, if Renfro didn't get hurt. So he, he would have been in that situation, but there's just, there's just very few of them over, over multiple years. Scott says, he hates to say it, but it was butter sharpening butter. <laughs> uh, didn't really think about all that until watching them get bulldozed all day yesterday. Yeah, and, it, it um, wasn't great. It wasn't great, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Yeah, obviously, signing, day, signing day is Wednesday. So we'll get we'll get an idea of if there are any other you know J, other any other high school surprises. Yep. Uh, uh, new, newly commit 
newly committed defensive back Jaden Davis had two interceptions in the Army All-American Bowl yesterday. I believe that was his first game back from injury this year. So that's that's promising, and we'll see. You know, we'll see if I don't know if the, anybody that they brought in this weekend was a transfer, if they were high school, <clears throat> if you know they're working. Are they still, is there still stuff going on today? Are they? You know, <clears throat> um, I think the dead period starts today. But I don't know what time. I mean, obviously they could, they can still have guys on campus right now. But I don't know when that officially starts. Like when, when that moratorium you have, starts. You can still have conversations with kids next week until signing day, but they you can't have visits. Um, okay. So uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll 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 see how that uh, how that all shakes out. Obviously, like Chad's working. Behind the scenes and our guys were doing that to, to try to you know start these relationships with with some new guys in place to get the information that we're able to put out in the manner that we always put it out like you talked about at the at the beginning so while there's a transition going on there it's obviously something that you know we we always put our best foot forward in that situation to try to be able to get the best information out there to everybody that that subscribes and Watches our content, and we'll see where that goes in the in the in the coming months. Yep. <clears throat> so we uh, there'll be there'll be a lot still to discuss for a while, whether it's coaching staff or recruiting, and then they start right back up. And as Carrie said, in three weeks with some with the winter workouts, and then we'll be into spring practice. So it certainly never stops. But uh, let's let's spin it to. Uh, some Bearcats in the NFL, and I have not looked at my TV guide yet to see if I'll get to watch Desmond Ritter today. Oh, uh, that's gonna! I'm gonna be really upset if I, yeah, you because know, I don't have like what is it? You gotta have like Sunday ticket to be able to watch everything in Direct TV. Yeah, like, I, so that sucks. Hopefully, hopefully that'll be uh, a game that is on here because uh, I think like the ratings for that obviously would probably be pretty decent. I think it's a one o'clock game. He, I think he's a one o'clock game, let's, let's which is good, which might bode well because it is a one o'clock game. The Bengals are a four o'clock game, right. so. Uh, but last week, uh, in the uh, Bearcats around the league here, Mike Boone had two receptions for twenty-seven yards. Kobe Bryant had two tackles and a pass defense. Brian Cook with two tackles. Marquise Copeland four tackles and a quarterback hit. Jerome Ford. Uh, Continues being uh, pretty good at uh, returning kicks. Four, four returns for 87 yards. Sauce Gardner, four tackles and a pass defense. Uh, he's had a pretty uh, decent season. Uh, Travis Kelsey, four receptions, 71 yards. Uh, Jason Kelsey, uh, back with zero sacks allowed and no hurries allowed. Uh, Chris Moore, 10 receptions, 124 yards. And J. Sanders, three tackles. Um, I mean, I, th- I think it's. I think we've said it already, but like, I can't unless Sauce Gardner pretty much has defensive rookie of the year locked up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, barring any kind of craziness, him like, or him, I guess what him or Tariq Woolen in Seattle, because he's got. I think he's got more interceptions, um, but I think Sauce well, has just been kind of gotten the the fame and the recognition. A lot more than Woolen has. 
I saw a stat for for Sauce that he has eighteen. He he's had eighteen targets this year and allowed seventeen yards. So that's pretty good. So two less yards than the Bearcats had yesterday in the second half. That's pretty good. Come on, Dave. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, and we say it. We've said it every week. It's just nice to like be able to flip through games and be like, oh, look. Like, I mean, the, the question kind of becomes like, now, like, is, and I don't know where he stands with corners around the league, but, like, are we going to, or, like, where are we in talking about, like, all pro? Not pro bowl, because pro bowl doesn't mean anything. But, like, all pro voting. Like, is he going to be, like, a first or second team all pro as a rookie? It's... Like you said, like I, I don't have like the breakdown of all the other corners in the league, but like you got to think there aren't many that are doing what he's doing. No, so and it's tr- I mean, like you know, we we also hit on the point that like you know everybody was like, oh yeah, like look at the competition they played in college. Like these guys weren't like just wait till they get to the NFL and they just get totally dominated, and they're still dudes in the well, NFL. That was, I mean, it was clear. <laughs> That was clearly just people being, no, but it was just clearly people being, you know, whatever you want to say, because like he did it against everybody. Yeah. Every game. Like no one ever, he never had a bad game. Like no, like no one was ever able to be like, we got him this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, The thing was, was like all, and I guess maybe it was like, you know, his reputation coming into a lot of those games last year, especially where they were just like, well, we're not even looking over there. And instead they had to look, they had to look to the other side, which wasn't what, you know, a much better option to, to to throw at the other side. So it's nice to see these guys doing what they're doing in the NFL that they did here. And hopefully uh, today is the start of the start of that uh, for one Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like how he plays the rest. He's going to get the ball the rest of the way. There's something yeah. weird going on there with um, with Mariota. Yeah, because like he's having knee surgery, but he's also like not around. So I don't know what if he's like taking his ball and go like almost like taking your ball and going home type of thing. Like you thought you shouldn't have gotten benched. Right. They should have been benched weeks ago, and they might still have a chance to win their terrible division. But like, oh god, that, that's awful. Is it? Is that going to be potentially another like another one of these teams that gets into the playoffs with like a losing record? Was that like a la Seattle a few years? Well, like, ma- I mean, maybe not because they've got to play the Bucks stuff to get to probably get to play more games against those teams, at least one or two more. I don't know. That that's not. A good thing down there, but hopefully uh, he's, for he's Desmond, gonna get I mean, what four games to 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 see how he goes and to put them in a position to hopefully maybe you know for for our sake, like I don't want him to draft a quarterback no uh, in the first round because I mean that would mean that that he didn't play well and they still feel like they need to draft somebody else. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the most interesting thing you see in the pros going on right now. I mean all these other guys have have kind of. Been playing all year. And doing <laughs> been playing all, all year, or, or in and out, and you know, you have like vets that are, you know, uh, doing what they've, you know, Travis and Jason do what they do every week. It's, you know, 
Travis is what the fastest tight end at 10,000 yards and yeah, like yet another thousand yard season. Like the dude is, I, I don't know that anybody when he left UC was predicting all of that. But yeah, we, uh, we, you know, I'm sure when, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to switch the television markets. You know, we're not going to get a bunch of Falcons games all of a sudden in the next four weeks because of UC fans. So yeah. And it'll probably just be a bunch of highlights if he plays well, but definitely looking forward to that. And uh, we can just kind of close this out on a, a little Bengals talk. The uh, the Ravens opened the door last night, losing to the Browns. Now the Bengals, uh, at least right now, are in first place in the division. I guess technically third in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they are the best team in the AFC. I believe that for two weeks, if they are the best team in the AFC, they will go to Tampa and beat an old Tom Brady with a banged-up offensive line and a banged-up defense, even though the Bengals now have a few injuries that they're, yeah, they're dealing with as well. like the Buc- that's, the, that's the one thing that slightly worries me about today is the Bucks aren't even trying to run the ball anymore. Like Brady's thrown has had pass attempts in the fifties recently. Like they're not, age, even, right? they're not even attempting to run it. So without Trey Hendrickson, without Mike Hilton, possibly without Jalen Davis too. I mean, they might be on on Dax Hill never playing slot before starting at slot today. You know, does that does them not running the ball at all give them a chance to stay in a game where versus a team that is more balanced act would actually probably give the Bengals a better, better opportunity defensively. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt has, has really been like, yeah, I mean, he showed some, some. Yeah, but he's on the outside. I'm talking about like, yeah. Oh, over the, now we're going to yeah. have two rookie starting DBs, one in the slot, one on the outside. Like, I don't love that. And you're down your best pass rusher. I think a team that's not really going to try to run the ball. Yeah, and, and I think that. I mean, this is going to be one of those games where you know, the defense just needs to do enough, and then and let let Joe cook. I mean, like as long as as I know they said like Higgins is supposed to play and Boyd is supposed to play. Um, as long as I think we are fully healthy across there. Yeah, I don't. I, I think the defense can do enough. The Boyd I mean, thing, I mean, the bone popped through his finger. So we'll see. We'll see how much. Right, but I mean, like catching the ball is different yeah. than being a defensive player and like just being like, yeah, just wrap it up. Like, but I don't think I don't think they would even like entertain the idea of him playing if he didn't show this week that he could catch a football. Right, but you have catching the football. You have guys trying to swat it, knock it out of your hand. Like, how strong is your grip strength when you go to the ground? Or you know, when you're getting tackled, are you able to not put your hand? Like, there's so many different variables when when you're a receiver and you injure your hand. I I don't know. I'm just like, I'm gonna be. I'm kind of taking the anything they get out of him today would be great. But, you know, Vita Vey is not playing, so the Bengals should have some success running the ball. The Bucks defense has not been great. Um, they've got some injuries. 
at linebacker too. So this this could be very similar to like the Titans game where you just kind of, you know, just do enough, just try to, you know, but if you're, if you're this team that we think you are and that you think you are, you go down there and you get the win and you set, yeah. your, you know, set yourself up for the last three. Yeah. Cause the, uh, you know, I mean, obviously like you, what we go to new England, we're in, we're in Foxborough, right? Yep. To new England on, on, on Christmas, on Christmas Eve, Eve, then bills, Ravens. And Bill, so you know, really, you should be rolling into if you, like you said, if you're the team that you, you show yourself to be and you want to make it to the playoffs and you want to do all these, these big things and you know, whatever they got to play us and all this kind of thing, like you win these next two games and then you, you know, the bills roll into town and they, I mean, they almost, well, I guess they, they barely squeaked by Miami last night. One last um, night. Yeah. Came back and won. So, you know, really that doesn't affect, the Bengals much because they get to play them. So as long as you you take care of business, the Bengals are still in, you know, in in the driver's seat to try to get get that number yeah, I mean, one they basically, overall seed. They can they can get the number one seed if they win out and the Chiefs lose again. So the so Chiefs are still one game. They're ten and three. The Bengals are nine yeah. and four. So they would need yeah. them to lose one of their last four, and the Bengals win out, and they would be the number one seed. But as it stands across the last, you know, well, really, I mean, since just before the the bye, the Bengals are, are taking care of business and doing what they got to do. In the face of not having Jamar, uh, last week you only had Jamar. Uh, and, you know, Burrow's still doing what Burrow does. And, he like, these other guys have stepped up, you know, Trent Irwin and, and Trent Taylor and whoever he decides to, to target to throw – Mitchell Wilcox, who at the beginning of the year was like public enemy number one for not being able to long snap like at the drop of a dime, and now he's out there catching passes from Joe Burrow. So, so it sounds like Julio Jones will not play today for the Bucks. He's been battling uh, a knee issue. So, well, let's let's just tee off on on old Tom and maybe go get maybe old Tommy. Him. Yeah, go go after old old Tom. I mean, they got they got brutalized last week, so just do it again. Yeah, that's right. So, but yeah, I think uh, this might be our our final one. So I want to thank everybody. Song. Thank Royal Links Golf Tours. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Hayden. Uh, hopefully, this helps bring some some great business to you guys. I know I'm looking forward to talking to those guys and seeing how things went and, and getting my trip set up with them as well. Thank you to everybody that was on uh, every week, some weeks, one week. We appreciate all of you guys jumping into the chat, helping us uh, move this thing along and, and grow this, this podcast, this part of the, of Bearcat journal um, had a lot of fun. Wish we could have talked about a few more wins, but yeah. it was still a, uh, Still a lot of fun. I think uh, I think a good thing to have moving forward. I think we brought something to the to the space that was sorely needed, uh, a way to talk about the games, you know, fairly quickly after they they were over and not get lost in the NFL shuffle that you know everybody else gets swept up in. So thank you guys to that. Uh, you know, maybe we'll jump on here and there. You know, post national title post. Signing day, who knows when, but uh, 
definitely appreciate everybody. Appreciate the comments and the, and the uh, passion that everybody has to talk about UC football. So uh, with that, we will sign off on the 2022 season. Again, big thanks to Jeff for joining me uh, near, nearly every week. Right. Yeah, there were there were a couple a yeah. uh, couple hiccups. Nearly every there, right? week. Actually, I think just one, just one that I didn't make that we actually showed. Up. <laughs> but uh, but yes, that is right. Thank you. Had a lot of fun with you talking uh, Bearcat football again. Been a blast. Thanks to Royal Links Golf Tours. Please hit them up if you're if you're into the golf, if you're into the the destination trips. These guys know what they're doing. Jeff and Hayden. Jeff especially has been out there to that part of the world countless times over 100 rounds played on these courses played every course that's had the uh the open championship so please give them your business if that's something that you're looking to do and uh we will uh we'll see you down the road somewhere but uh have a great sunday cincinnati and we will talk to you again soon absolutely as always go bearcats go bearcats